Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. That people need to again get to know me as Jesus the healer. They sort of like know about him, but they don't know me as the healer. The difference I can describe like this, you might know the name of a hospital. You know there's a hospital up on the hill, they get a Wilfriewel that's closest to us, or Helen Joseph, or any hospital in this area, and you know about it. But if you've spent time in that hospital, you will know that hospital. You might know the name of a few of the nurses. You'll know how the cleaning staff works. You'll know the beds. You'll know the process. And I want to take us that we know Jesus the healer like that. Not only know about the fact that Jesus does healing. Some of you know that they do operations at the hospital. But until you've laid there and go through the process, the pre-operation process, and the getting ready, and the talk to the narcoticier, anesthetist, yes, you see, I wanted to directly translate it, and then I realized that's not going to work, narcissist or something like that. Um, um, But until you know that process, you only know about it. And Jesus says, I want my people To meet me, Jesus the healer, and not only know about me, about the healer. My family, every single one of us, has somewhere in our life had a true encounter with the life and death situation of Jesus the healer. Every single one of us. There was a day when it was life and death was on the line And we could go either way, and God intervened. Sometimes we didn't even know about it. I went in some years ago, can you believe it's already seven years ago, for a small knee operation. And I just died on the table. Just gone. I woke up with all kinds of blue marks on my chest and punch holes as they had done something. My wife said, okay, what did you experience? I said, I had the best sleep of my life when I woke up. She was all upset. She said, didn't you see any white lights or a meeting with Jesus or anything? I said, no, I slept so well. I had no idea that she got the whole church to pray and everybody to intercede and all kinds of running around stuff and doctors were running up and down. When the doctor got to my room the next day after I woke up, the the heart specialist, which I obviously never had a heart specialist for a knee op when I went in, came there and her first words was to me, oh, your medical aid has just bought me a Porsche. (laughs) I said, what do you mean? She says, well, jokingly, that you've just made my day and you've just blessed me, you know, and I wasn't too impressed, okay? But without me knowing it, I had an encounter with Jesus, the healer. And it could have gone any way. And 
So I can tell you stories about Jared and about Mandy and about Cindy and about Amber. Times when we met Jesus, the healer, on a one-on-one basis. And I want to talk about that Jesus this morning. I want us to get to know that. There's many scriptures in the Old Testament that I can tell you about healing. And there's many scriptures where the disciples and Paul writes about healing. So there's lots of scriptures about healing. But I'm not talking about those today. I want to talk about Jesus the healer. Let's go to Matthew 8. First one, Matthew 8 and verse 1. After he came down from the teaching on the hillside, massive crowds began following him. Next, yeah. Suddenly a leper walked up to Jesus and threw himself down before him in worship and said, Lord, you have the power to heal me if you really want me. That is the first step about knowing about Jesus. You've got to know that he can. And I think most Christians believe that he can. But they don't necessarily believe that he wants to. Most Christians are in the same place as that leper. And they're saying, if you really want to, you can heal me. Okay? Next scripture, verse 3. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the leper and said, Of course I want to heal you. Be healed. And instantly all signs of leprosy disappeared. So I want you to know that Jesus wants to heal you. doesn't matter if you face COVID or cancer or any other illness. Jesus can and wants to heal you. And that is the revelation that I want people to go away with today. That Jesus can heal you. Oh, yo. And he instantly all signs of leprosy disappeared. If you can have an encounter with Jesus the healer, it is once and for all everything dealt with. And that is what we want to bring, that you have an encounter with that Jesus, that it can deal with it instantly. Now, healing isn't always instantly. It's always of Jesus, but it's not always instantly. But all the times that Jesus did, it was instantly. It was done once and for all. Look at Mark 5 and verse uh, 21. After Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then, a man saw that it was Jesus. So he pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at the feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. You see, there's sometimes a bit of pushing through. There's sometimes... Not so easy to get to Jesus. I see people needing healing. And they're standing waiting for God to heal them. But they're not willing to push through. Like both the leper did and Jairus did here. And he pleaded with Jesus saying over and over. Please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death. And she's only 12 years old. When a child is sick. A parent has a different kind of prayer. A parent has a different type of way of interacting with Jesus when your child is ill than if it's yourself or if it's just somebody else. There's a special gifting. We just prayed over the parents here a minute ago. There's something that God does with parents as far as their children is concerned, and it makes for a very powerful prayer. 
And he said, she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her and she will live. He had the conviction that if Jesus can come and lay his hand on his little daughter, she will live. And that is different to some of the other people that we will read in these stories. But the wonderful thing is that Jesus meets us wherever our faith is. Wherever you are, God will meet you. Immediately Jesus went with him and the huge crowd followed, pressing in on him on every side. Now we know well that there was a woman that met him there that had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. Sometimes we suffer with illness for a very long time. Sometimes we suffer with something for so long that it becomes part of us that we don't even fight it anymore. We don't even want to worry about it. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all that she had on their treatments, she was getting worse instead of better. When she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd. Again, she had, it wasn't easy to get to him. You had to push through, you had to believe, and you have to actually take an action to see the healing. She pushed through, and she said to herself, if I could only touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. She had, didn't even want to speak to him. He didn't need to lay his hands on her. All she wanted was to somehow touch his clothes. Then she knew she would be healed. So it's different to the man that Jesus, so Jesus has to come and lay his hands upon his daughter. But she had a different point of faith. But she had a point of faith. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. And she knew it, for she could feel in her body instantly being healed of her disease. There's something that happens when God touches you with healing. And you can just feel something happening right through your whole body. And God's changing things. Your symptoms might not have changed yet. The way that you've got to do hasn't changed yet. But something happens and you know the power of God has flown through you. When the woman, uh, sorry, Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him. For he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd saying, who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, what do you mean who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd looking for the one who had touched him for healing. God is always looking to interact with you. Even in the process of healing. Even in the process of suffering. Even if you've suffered for 12 years. God's looking to say, I want to interact with this one who's drawn from me. When the woman who had experienced the miracle realized that what had happened to her, she came before him trembling with fear and threw herself down at his feet saying, I was the one who touched you. And she told him the story of what had just happened. It's important to tell the story. That's why we're asking for you to record a testimony. Because there's a process that happens to somebody else when you tell the story. Then Jesus said to her, daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Because you've dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. So here's the story. Jesus is on the way to go and heal Jairus' daughter. And this woman says, I'm not going to wait for you to first get to her. 
I need a touch from God right now. I'm in trouble, and you nearly become selfish because you're so in trouble. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. You're saying, I need an encounter with God now. There's sometimes when there's a pastor and a staff working here, and there's people that are working in the church, that we're working for everybody. That we're doing something for the whole church. But there's a place where you're saying, I need an encounter with Jesus now. I need to be okay. I can't worry about anybody else now because I need to be okay. And that's an important place of faith to push in and saying, I need to touch Jesus now. So she interrupts the process. And before he had finished speaking, people arrived from Jairus' house and pushed through the crowd to give Jairus the news. There's no need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter has died. You see, that's not a nice message to get. You're thinking, you're so close. You've now got Jesus' attention. He's on his way, but now he's too late. Now it's pointless. And they're saying to him, don't worry to come. But Jesus refused to listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is to keep on believing. A lot of people say that Jesus loved answering the prayer at the 11th hour, just before it's too late. My experience is Jesus normally answers the prayer a little bit too late. <laughs> normally at 1 o'clock, not at before. If you're expecting the miracle before 12 o'clock, Jesus comes through at 1 o'clock. Because Jesus doesn't work on our timetable. So often we pray, God, you've got to come through before this happens. In finances, if the bank's given you a deadline, if your client's given you a deadline, God, just do it before Monday morning. God's not interested in that. He's going to do it Tuesday morning. Not because he doesn't care, but he's trying to get you free from the pressures and the expectation that everything must happen within your timetable. God's got his own timetable. So now Jairus thinks it's over, it's too late, and Jesus says, don't worry, just believe. Do not, go back one for me. Jesus refused to listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, don't yield to fear. This is one of the most important words I can give you. Don't yield to fear. Because in the healing thing, there are certain parameters that we think God must operate in, and when it's outside of those parameters, then we want to yield to fear. Then we want to say, okay, well, I give up. It's too late now. I remember exactly where I was, and they told me my mom's got cancer. I know how it hit me right deep on the inside. And I started saying, okay, I've got to think about her will. I've got to think about her testament. I've got to think about her burial. And God just said to me, no. Don't think about that. Believe that I can step in for somebody that's already old, somebody that's already lived a good life, somebody that you think is now sort of like ready to pass on. I can still interfere here. And I had to get myself right and say, okay, hang on. I'm going to listen to a different story. And those of you who know my mom know that in the last 15 years, she's done so much for God after she had cancer. It wasn't the end. It was just the start of so much more to be done in the kingdom of God. 
But I, as her pastor's son, had to shift my mindset. and saying, I'm not going to yield to fear. Because sometimes when something is said, it's like a sentence, and it's like, a, okay, that's finished and claw, there's no more hope. But I want to tell you, God is here as Jesus, the healer. Oh, Yun. So they said, don't yield to fear. So they left for his home. But Jesus didn't allow anyone to go with them except Peter and his two brothers, Jacob and John. When they arrived at the home of the synagogue ruler, they encountered a noisy uproar among the people, for they were all weeping and wailing. Upon entering the home, Jesus said to them, Why all this grief and weeping? Don't you know the girl is not dead but merely asleep? Then everyone began to ridicule and make fun of him. But he threw them all outside. Then he took the child's father and mother, and his three disciples went into the room where the girl was lying. He tenderly clasped the child's hand, and he said to her in Aramaic, Talitha kum, which means little girl, wake up from the sleep of death. Little girl, come from the sleep of death. Instantly, instantly, the 12-year-old girl sat up, stood to her feet, and started walking around the room, and everyone was overcome with astonishment in seeing this miracle. I'm believing God that we're going to see the kind of miracle that brings us to absolute astonishment. <laughs> that whatever we think the realms are that Jesus plays in, he's pushing those walls down, and he's putting us into a new place of knowing how to walk with him. Mark 10 Verse 46, when Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined them. Upon leaving the village, they met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road named Timai, the son of Timai. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction and heal me. Remember what I preached a couple of weeks ago? Don't lose your cry. Don't lose your prayer. So here's the blind man sitting along the side of the road. And he's hearing the commotion. He's hearing somebody and he asks people, who's that? What's, who's going past there? What's this noise? And they tell him, Jesus is going past. And he starts calling out. He starts crying out, have mercy on me. Understand my affliction. Understand how I'm suffering. Heal me. Oh, it's time that we cry out. Those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making so much of a disturbance. But he kept shouting with all his might, Son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Some people call out once. And if God doesn't jump, they stop crying out. Oh, well, I've tried that thing before. I did once let somebody lay hands upon me, and it didn't work. Well, do it again. Crying out, don't stop. Jesus stopped and said, call him to come to me. So they went to the blind man and said, have courage. Get up. Jesus is calling for you. So I want to say that same message. Have courage. Whatever you're facing, Whatever you think is the end, whenever you think people have been saying to you, keep quiet and just sit down and behave, 
God is saying, come, I want to talk to you. So he threw off his beggar's cloak. One of the most important things there. He immediately decided that he's never going to beg again. He threw off his beggar's cloak, jumped up, and made his way to Jesus. <laughs> he immediately decided that his identity is changing today. The way people had to know that he needed help was his cloak that made him recognize as a blind man. Today, people might walk around with a white stick to say that they are blind. They had a cloak that they wore so that you could know this man is blind. Help him along the way. And the moment Jesus called him, he threw it off. He said, I'm not going to be known anymore as blind Bartimaeus. God wants to change your identity. Jesus said, stop and call him here. And they said, have courage, get up, Jesus is calling for you. So he threw off the beggar's cloak, jumped up and made his way to Jesus. And Jesus asked this very important question. What do you want me to do for you? Can we just stop there for a second? And ask everybody, ask God, yeah, Jesus asking you. What do you want me to do? I can call out all your names from the front to the back. And just let you hear this one thing. There on the online, if you're sitting in your room, if you're in your bedroom or your lounge or in your car, wherever you are, Jesus is asking you, what do you want me to do for you? And the man replied, my master, let me see again. You see, that was his one cry. Everything else became second cry. Didn't want a bread or some money or... Up to that moment, for everybody else, he was asking just for money. But when he met Jesus, he wasn't a beggar anymore. He wanted healing. Jesus responded, your faith heals you. Go in peace with your sight restored. All at once, the man's eyes opened and he could see again. And he began at once to follow Jesus, walking down the road with him. When you have your encounter, there's a response of following Jesus. Don't have an encounter with Jesus, the healer, and then want to ignore him for the rest of your life. Immediately when he had his healing, he started following Jesus. Okay. Another, I'm throwing a couple of examples out so that we can know that it was Jesus' character that wherever he went, he did healing. Are we still okay for time? Yes. John 5 and verse 1. From Galilee, Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate, there's a pool called in Aramaic the House Love, Loving Kindness. And this pool is surrounded by five covered porches. And people can preach about the five covered porches, but we're skipping through there today. Hundreds of sick people were lying there on the porches, the paralyzed, the blind, and the crippled. All of them waiting for their healing. For an angel of God would periodically descend into the pool to stir the waters. And the first one who stepped into the pool after the waters, swelled, would instantly be healed. And this is where I see many Christians are. They are waiting for their healing among many other broken and hurting people. Now there was a man who has been disabled for 38 years. Lying about the multitude of the sick. Okay, stop there, go back one for me, and let's just stick on there. 38 years. 
Just now we spoke about the lady who had the issue of blood for 12 years. But this is a different level if you've been sick for 38 years. Can I ask everybody younger than 38 to quickly stand up? I'll just, you quicker than the people. <laughs> Grant, yes. Okay? This is not for you. You can be seated. I'm not talking to you now. Okay? Can I speak to everybody that's older than 38? Some things have been a part of you for so long that you don't even know anymore that's an affliction. You've adjusted your life to make place for this thing. You've adjusted your life to deal with this issue and you are waiting like God and you're waiting like those people sitting there. Let's carry on. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. So Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be healed? Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And this is the same kind of answer I often get. The sick man answered him, sir, there's no way I can get healed. For I have no one who will lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I try to crawl there to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps ahead of me. Go back to me to verse 6. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And go to verse 7. He doesn't answer the question. He gives his excuse. He doesn't answer. Jesus asks, do you want to get healed? It's a simple yes or no question. Isn't it? And he says, no, there's no way I can get healed. So he's not saying, yes, I want to get healed, or no, I don't want to get healed. He jumps to the answer and says, I can't get it. It's not for me. It's for everybody else. But I can't get it because I can't get into the pool quick enough. I'm too slow and there's nobody to help me. And whatever other reason we have for believing it's not for us. God is saying, don't say the reason why it cannot be for you. Answer God's question in saying, do you want to get healed? Sir, there's no way I can get healed for I have no one who will lower me into the water. When the angel comes, as soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps ahead of me. Verse 8. But Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat, and you'll walk. He never answered Jesus if he wants to get healed or not. It was just God stepping into his situation. Among all the hundreds that were sitting there, God had compassion on that man and asked him, do you want to get healed? He doesn't answer Jesus. He gives an excuse. But Jesus says, get up and walk. God meets everyone at their point of faith. This man didn't have a lot of faith. He didn't sit there, cry out. He didn't sit there and believing that God was going to heal him. He sat there saying, it's not for me. God wants to say to those of us who are thinking that it's not for us. Today, I have come to this place and I want to speak to you. I lay at night just thinking about the scripture and just getting excited because Jesus went to him in his place and he said immediately he stood up and he was healed. So he rolled up his mat and walked again. And then there's a whole thing that had happened on a Sabbath day and people were upset about the healing on a Sabbath day. But we won't go into that now. But the issue is that for sometimes we go through something for so long that we work our plans around it 
and we just live with it. God is saying, I can do this for you if you want it. Luke 7, in the, I think it's about the last story. Yeah. I know there's one, two more, but they're all in there. The faith of the centurion. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. And there a servant, centurion's servant, who his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them, and it wasn't far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That's why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes. And I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. So this centurion believed he was unworthy. Believed that. He didn't deserve the grace of God, but he understood the authority of God. And he said, just speak the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I have not found such great faith, faith in the whole of Israel. And then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. God never laid a hand on him. Jesus never even prayed for him. Just the declaration of authority and understanding of who Jesus is made the servant well. God wants us to understand who he is and what he has done for us. In verse 11, it carries on. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nine, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. God is aware of your pain. God is aware of your worry. God is aware of the things as a parent you're doing for your children. And he's aware of the things that you're doing for yourself. But God says, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer when they were carrying him on. And the bearer stood still. He said, young man. I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praised God. And a great prophet has appeared amongst us, they said. God has come to help his people. I want to tell you in this time of this pandemic, in the time of str struggling, in the time of us facing life and death, we have to know one thing. God has come to help his people. We're not alone in this fight. I read a summary from a doctor that was written out, uh, Dr. Eileen Bird from America. And she said, in Jesus' day, as of now, the work of healing and health was essential. Jesus heals people in 13 episodes in the Gospel of Luke alone. 
Most of the scriptures I read now wasn't out of Luke except the last one. But 13 times in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus did these miracles. There's not enough time for us to go through all of them, so I'll skip them. But by doing so, he brings wellness to suffering people, as he announced he would do. In addition, the healings are actualizations of the coming kingdom of God, in which there is no sickness. Can we put up Revelation 21 and verse 4, so we can just understand where we're going? And I heard a thunderous voice from the throne, saying, Look, God's tabernacle is with human beings, and from now on he will tabernacle with them as their God. And now God himself, whoops, 21 and verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and eliminate death entirely. No one will mourn or weep any longer. The pain of wounds will no longer exist, for the old order has ceased. So this, Revelation 21 is saying where we're going. We're going to a heaven place where there is no more pain where there is no more suffering. So Dr. Bird continues, God not only commands people to work for others' benefit, He empowers people to do so. God's power is not restricted to Jesus Himself, for in two passages, Jesus empowers His followers to heal people, Luke 9 and 10. Yet all the healings depend on God's power. And theologian Jürgen Moltmann sums this up beautifully. Jesus' healings are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They are the only true natural thing in a world that is unnatural, demonized, and wounded. What we're doing when we pray for the sick, we're putting things in order again. We're taking the wounded and demonized world, and we're putting it into the order that God wanted to do it. Sure. They're a tangible sign that God is putting the world back to right. And in this time of this pandemic, we need God to put our world right again. Getting COVID is not a death sentence. Getting and going through something that is so tough, we have to turn to God and we have to know Jesus the healer. If I can sum up all of these scriptures that is there. You have to know that Jesus wants to heal you. Because they were always asking. I think most Christians can acknowledge that God wants or God can heal you. But I want to tell you Jesus wants to heal you. Scripture after scripture confirmed it for us. Secondly, I want to tell you Jesus hears your cry. Don't stop crying out to him. Might sometimes take time. You might have done it before. You might have been disappointed by the church who didn't lay hands on you correctly or nothing happened when the pastor prayed for you. So now you're upset with God. But I want to say never stop crying out and never give up because God wants to heal you. He has compassion on your trouble. Sometimes people didn't even pray. There's a couple of scriptures that I took there. When the dead person was being carried out, the mom didn't come running to Jesus. Jesus went up to them and started praying for the man, and he woke up. The one that's sitting at the pool of Bethesda, he didn't anymore believe that God can do it for him. He'd been there for 38 years. He'd given up thinking that something's going to happen for him. God has compassion on your trouble. He meets you at your point of faith. Whatever you 
are and wherever you are with your situation. Some wants to touch his clothes. Others want him to come and lay hands. Others want him to speak a word. Your point of faith is important to you. There is not only one way of healing. The issue is that you must have something that you're trying to do, something that you want to do. Your point of faith doesn't matter how long you've been sick. Oh, my word, this is for us older people. Some of us have been sick for so long that we think God cannot heal that thing. It doesn't matter how long you've been sick. You must believe. Okay? It looks like the slides have got stuck there, but it's okay. Listen to me. You have to believe that God can heal you. Your faith is the thing that makes it happen. Amen. Thank you, slides, guys. You must do something. Bartimaeus had to get up and throw off his cloak and run to Jesus. The lady had to push in and get hold of to touch his cloak. Others had to write at the beginning, the leprous man had to push through the crowd, saying, I want God to pray for me. There's an action that you need to do that's going to activate the healing. You can't just sit and wait. Sometimes it does happen that God does meet you where you're just waiting. But if you want to bring it quicker, if you want to say, today is my day, you must do something. You must act on your faith. Number eight, you must work the miracle. Keep on believing. Keep on speaking it out. Don't become downcast in the process. It's okay if it takes time. Your faith has to move from seeing to believing. Your faith has to change in the process. I've told the miracles in my family so many times that I don't want to do it again. But in every single time that we had an encounter with God, there was a process where we nearly got to the stage where we'd give up. Say, okay, this is not going to work. I know you can heal and I know you want to heal, but it's obviously not for me. Obviously doesn't apply to my situation. It's for others. I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. Whatever the situation is that we think why it can't be us will be the valid one. What we have to do is get past whatever we have to and then stand in faith. I believe God wants to truly deal with long-term illnesses today. God wants to truly deal with things that we have believed. There's no hope for us. I can tell you with COVID in our home, it was quite scary. It's more than a year ago. Cindy was the first one that had it. We didn't even know she had it. But there came a one night when she was there in fever and very, very ill. We thought it had to do with the accident and the broken legs and so on. And I walked in and they called me and said, come and pray. It is now serious. And we prayed and I didn't even realize what happened. But afterwards, Cindy will tell you that everything changed that day. There was something that shifted with that prayer. There was many prayers before and many prayers afterwards. But something shifted on that specific prayer. 
And our whole family then got it. But we all came through because we had dealt with it in our house at that time already. Once and for all. It didn't affect any of us. Some people have been affected by COVID for a long time. There's long COVID that the doctors are speaking more and more about. About how it has a long-term effect. I want to break the power of long COVID today. I want to break the effect of illnesses that have sort of like come and made themselves at home in your presence and said, I'm sticking around here. As a delegated authority by Jesus, the same way that he sent the servants to go and pray for the centurion's child. That same process, God is still sending people out and saying, do something. Yeah, won't you mind coming to pray for me? Thanks, Brandon. I want you to think about your, any issue that you have as far as health is concerned. And you have to decide, number one, can Jesus do it? Number two, does he want to do it? That's the two decisions that you have to take. And then if you feel God is calling you, I want to open up the floor for anybody that wants healing to come up. We're going to lay hands. We will keep the protocol as good as we will sanitize. We will put our mask on before we come and pray for you. But I believe today is the day for you. For those... We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.